Nicholas Bornos of Capital Inc. I would like to welcome you to the panel session on addressing the fleet optimization challenges, adapting to the current technological, regulatory, and market dynamics. That's uh, questions and challenges that uh, all ship owners face today. And I would like to thank uh, Anders Mikkelsen, the Regional Business Development Manager of uh, DNV, for uh, moderating the panel and actually putting it together. And I'd like to thank DNV for the partnership in uh, uh, putting together this great forum. I would also like to welcome uh, our uh, top uh, level uh, panelists. I'm gratified to have you with us. Uh, I will let Anders introduce you and take over. And again, thank you very, very much for joining uh, the forum and this very interesting panel. Anders, the floor is yours. <clears throat> Thank you, Nicholas. They're all welcome to this panel. Uh, we'll be discussing, as uh, Nicholas said, fleet optimization challenges uh, with the backdrop of the significant requirements to decarbonize uh, shipping these days. We are all aware of how this is impacting the industry uh, and how fast the momentum is increasing. So thank you to Capital Inc for the opportunity to moderate this panel. Uh, we are joined by a panel of distinguished shipping executives today, uh, namely, and in the order of appearance afterwards, uh, Haroko Plan, COO at uh, Obvel, Regis Rogier, VP Operations at uh, Altera Infrastructure, Lars Pedersen, CTO at Frontline, Tsunerve Seglem, Deputy Managing Director at Knutsen OAS Shipping, and Espen Yarde, VP Strategy and M&A at Will Willemsen Holding. We can expect to get to know more about the specifics of these companies' strategies and the actual steps they are taking with their fleets in order to position them for the coming decade. I'm very much looking forward to learning more about their ambitions and what they're doing today to stay ahead in the future, both with respect to operations, technology, and fuel choices. We will be hearing from each of the companies first, and then we will have a Q&A session at the second half of this panel. With that, I leave the word to our local plan to hear about the steps of Gell are taking in this conference. Harald, over to you, please. Thank you, <clears throat> thank you very much, uh, Anders, and uh, good day to all of you. Uh, in Nordfjell, we've been focusing on, uh, on fuel saving initiatives for, for more than 10 years already. And, and so far, we've managed to reduce our emissions with, with more than 30%. And uh, I will spend the, 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 the next couple of minutes explaining how we have uh, achieved this result. Uh, one could say that our fuel saving initiatives have been centered around three main pillars. It's operational measures, technical measures, and fleet renewal. The operational measures include initiatives such as weather routing, a systematic approach to hull cleaning, propeller polishing, and also on board the vessels, we conduct strict control with, with fuel heating, cargo heating, and I would say any other use of energy. The aim is to remove any unnecessary use of energy on board, and by that, make sure that we do not run auxiliary engines more than strictly necessary. And to give you some examples, since 2009, we have, we have weather routed more than 10,000 voyages, and that alone has saved 700, 700 ship days and more than 20,000 tons of fuel. 
And in 2009 also, vessels in average reported some 35-36 hours of auxiliary engines every day. And today that average figure is, uh, is around 30 hours. And that's a saving of 15 to 20% per day in uh, auxiliary engine time. In the beginning, when we started to do systematic hull cleaning, we were saving three tons of fuel per day by, by that operation alone. Now the, the figure is lower because we spend, uh, we do it much more often. So we, we, the, the vessels are not that full when, when we do the, the hull cleaning. And we've also done numerous technical uh, modification to our existing fleet. And I think the biggest saving relates to retrofitting of new propellers on, on our handy and AMA-sized super segregators. Uh, that uh, project saved approximately 20% in fuel consumption. The cost of, of that project was around 700,000 US dollars and the down payment time, time was uh, around two and a half years with, with the oil price, price at that time. We also, on, on chemical tankers, we also use significant amounts of, of fresh water. And this fresh water was previously produced on the boiler. And we have now uh, retrofitted close to 30 freshwater systems uh, from the company, company Norwater on, on our existing vessels. And, and that system is utilizing the reversed osmosis principle, which means that freshwater is produced more or less without the use of energy. And that again, it's saving approximately a ton of fuel every day. Uh, the list is longer, uh, but uh, uh, we've also done uh, fleet uh, renewal. Uh, we've uh, taken delivery of uh, six large stainless steel uh, uh, chemical tankers from uh, the Hudong shipyard. And, uh, and uh, those are now the most energy efficient chemical tankers in the world. In sum, uh, all these uh, measures that we have implemented have reduced uh, our fuel consumption with approximately 30% per, per nautical, mile, uh, nautical mile of sail distance. Our goal is to reach 50% by 2030 and to be carbon neutral by 2050. And uh, then we need new technology and, and we are engaged in a fuel cell project together with Lundin, Wärtsilä and the research company Prototech. And the beauty of a fuel cell is that it's 40% more energy efficient than a standard combustion engine. Uh, our target is to, to uh, uh, implement or install uh, an auxiliary engine uh, by 2024. And uh, that's when we will test uh, the system in, in, uh, in real life. And also, I think it's worth mentioning that, uh, that uh, actually in this matter, it's an advantage to be an integrated company like many of the, the shipping companies in Norway. Uh, we control chartering, we control operations, and we control ship management. And by that, we first and foremost have a, an effective decision structure and also any cost benefit that we are making will be to our own benefit. And this is slightly in contrast to a concert where the vessels are on third party ship management, they are TC'd out and uh, maybe in a pool setup. So we, we control the, the whole uh, uh, value chain, so to say. Uh, I think that's my introduction and then I'm looking forward to the questions when, when they are coming up. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Harald. Uh, I will not uh, make any comments at this stage. I will simply pass the word on to, to Regis to hear how Altera are positioning themselves. Uh, Regis, please go ahead. Yes, thank you, Anders. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. 
My name is Regis Rougier. I'm vice president at Altera, heading the operation of the shuttle tankers and FSO. Altera um, was known previously under the name of TK or TK Offshore, owns and operates a fleet of approximately 20 shuttle tankers in the North Sea, in the East Coast, Canada, and in Brazil. Altera set a vision to lead the industry to a sustainable future. So we are therefore com committed to decarbonization and building green vessels. Um, I'll focus today more on the, on, the, on the shuttle tankers. Several old ships have left the fleet. The average of, of the fleet is now only six years. So we have just taken delivery of six new built e-shuttle from Korea. These ships, this e-shuttle, they've collected many environmental prices innovation award for their bold design. They've got LNG fuel, batteries, and a fully electric, electric, fully electric propulsion. They also have a VOC recovery plants. VOC, most may know, is a volatile compound that is normally vented to the atmosphere during loading operation. But with an advanced fuel mixing system that we have on board, we now use this fork in the engines. And there is also a gas turbine to burn the volatile VOC and further reduce impact on the environment. So we are collecting every day, real-time data on fuel consumption and gas emission on these vessels and actually on all the fleet. We have a team of several persons working exclusively to analyze this data dedicated to, to this, improve the vessel performance and efficiency, energy efficiency overall. So the aim for us is to meet the decarbonization target for 2030. That's the first step. I think we are on a good way to meet this target, but I have to admit that we are at the edge of the available technology. So we are pushing our vendors to the limit to make the full benefits of all this uh, innovative and complex equipment on board our vessels. And uh, we have to see how we reach first 2030 before we go um, on to 2050. Thank you, Andres. That's, uh, that's my introduction. So looking forward to questions later on. Thank you very much, uh, Regis. Then I would like to hear from uh, Frontline and uh, Lars Pedersen. Lars, please go ahead. Yes, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are starting in from. Uh, my name is uh, Lars Pedersen, and I'm the MD of FexLND Fleet Management, but I'm also a CTO for Frontline with the responsibility uh, of handling uh, all technical matters on our own fleet within the sea tankers group of uh, uh, companies, as well as the new build activities. Global trade and movement of goods or any form of energy are transported on a global fleet of around 70,000 vessels uh, in different uh, forms and shapes, which again translate to 80% of all cargo volume being transported at sea. We therefore welcome uh, ambition and move towards a greener and a cleaner approach to also include shipping and with the goal of lowering our environmental footprint and, and transition towards less impact to emissions, although not entirely new to shipping and to us, as this has been going on for decades 
but has mainly been driven by fuel efficiency linked to fluctuating bunker prices and consumption and thereby impacting our operational expenses, but also regulators of bunker fuel with lesser fuel uh, content have gradually changed over time and uh, uh, lately in 2020. So I think uh, uh, in shipping, we are used to an ever-changing uh, uh, dynamics and, and uh, being used to be uh, resilient to handle uh, changes. Now we escalate this uh, uh, and ambitious targets are being driven through uh, consumers, through customers, through regulations, through legislations, from owners, charters, politics, and more. All in all, uh, in our view, a great uh, common push. We can then, as industry and owners, uh, have to uh, find a new and better and sensible way of uh, handling this uh, different matters. It's not so uh, straightforward as uh, uh, one size would not necessarily uh, uh, fits all. Also, uh, you have to take uh, business uh, sensitive decisions because not all technical solutions are available or fully developed yet. It also links to different types of fuels which are widely being discussed. That uh, how do you look at these fuels? Do you look at them from well to weight or you look at it from tech to weight? Or how are you going to handle infrastructure and logistics of accessible for these fuels? All in all, a lot of great things going on, but still uh, are yet uh, to 100% define, I would say, where different segments are going or businesses are best suited. In Frontline and the group of uh, companies under the Sea Tanker umbrella, we have uh, established a decarbonization project, which has, as a beginning, focused on understanding uh, how are we going to meet uh, the uh, uh, near-term uh, requirements from EEXI understanding our EEOI and AER, and then build a roadmap towards how uh, we will meet the different uh, milestones which are coming ahead of us, and particular with the near-term future up to 2030. In general, I would say that uh, we benefit from having a relatively young uh, and efficient fleet, where for sure, uh, uh, in uh, the business segments, we see that uh, older and less efficient fleets will certainly have some challenges um, and will be required to take some tough uh, decisions. Uh, and most likely, it will be driven by uh, lower speeds uh, or making uh, add of some ESDs. But most we will think uh, most owners will go towards EPL as the first and uh, immediate solution, which on the contrary will, uh, will add uh, positively to that there may be required more vessels on the water to transport the same cargo as each voyage will take longer time. Anyway, for us and the industry, uh, the journey has, has started and are well on the way. We are all in the same boat uh, and we believe that harmonizing uh, regulations globally without exceptions is in our view, 
the right step uh, in the future. So uh, thank you, uh, Anders. Great input. Thank you very much, uh, Lars. Then I am passing the microphone over to Suneva Segla to get the news from uh, Knudsen. Suneva, please uh, go ahead. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Anders. Um, good morning, good afternoon to everyone. Uh, my name is Suneva Seglem. I'm the Deputy Managing Director of uh, Knutsen Oil Shipping. And in Knutsen Oil Shipping and Knutsen Offshore Tankers, which I represent, owns and operates today a fleet of uh, 49 LNG carriers, shuttle tankers and product tankers. And uh, we have always had a high focus on advanced vessel and, and technology. And we are an international shipping company where all ship management, technical and commercial finance and crewing are in-house. We have a large new building program at today consisting of 10 LNG carriers and four shuttle tankers. And all these vessels are part of our growth strategy in our shipping group. A new regulation, both in maritime emission regulations and financial environmental reporting requirements are affecting how we work and operate our fleet today and how we make strategic plans for the future. And there are different actions that we do to meet the um, requirements for the vessels in operation and also for our new building vessels. And for the shuttle tankers in operation, we have always had and still have high focus on fuel optimization. However, due to the nature of the shuttle tankers operation in the, um, the vessels have a long time anchorage and also on dynamic positioning operation mode, there is less benefit of uh, slow steaming or weather routing as in the case of conventional oil tankers. And so the shuttle tankers have therefore high focus on keeping a lean energy balance on board during operation, which we call the EcoCare actions. And this is a saving uh, energy saving program that has been in our fleet since uh, uh, 2015. And this focus on energy efficiency and also on the shuttle tankers, we have been studying and have also developed our own VOC uh, system which minimize them uh, and take care of the VOC emission from uh, loading of uh, the oil. On our LNG carriers, we also um, actively use our energy efficiency program, EcoCare, and these uh, vessels are sailing long distance, uh, i.e. for transatlantic or Pacific. And we have this, therefore a benefit of minimizing fuel consumption by weather routing that we use quite regularly, but also other operational actions on these vessels are list and trim optimization, hull and cleaning, uh, and then state-of-the-art anti-fouling systems and cargo conditioning. With cargo conditioning on the LNG, we, uh, we focus on minimizing the boil-off and also minimizing the use of uh, gas combustion unit. For our new vessels, we have had high focus on best available technology and have often been the first move on new technology system and equipment. Our new vessels have been optimized both for the hull and propellers for low fuel consumption and the engines and the LNG cargo system have been carefully chosen for the lowest possible fuel consumption 
other technology that we have adapted to our new vessels are shaft generators, shaft clutch, and air lubrications. Uh, we in Knutsen have not put a firm bet on what the future of fuel will be. We believe that uh, at the moment, the engine that they have are flexible to burn different and alternative fuels are the best bet at the moment. Our shuttle tankers that will be delivered in 2022 will have uh, LNG propulsion. Uh, we have been participated also in different uh, projects looking at uh, future fuel uh, and possible um, decarbonization. And we strongly believe at this moment it is important to get the knowledge of the different type of fuels development ongoing today. We are already in a project with Wärtsela studying the ammonia as a marine fuel. And we have also been in a project looking at the carbon capture on board the vessel and the possibility to discharge this carbon waste as ice into the sea where it would settle at the bottom of the sea. This project was called the decarbonize. Uh, and at the same time, we are monitoring hydrogen, fu uh, fuel cells, and also battery technology. But um, we see that there are still many challenges to become carbon neutral in the deep sea shipping. Uh, uh, the alternatives today are either hazardous or the energy density is uh, low and therefore requires large storage space on board a vessel. And we don't see any clear solution today, but are open for the future and what it brings. And um, therefore we have a lot of projects ongoing to gather as much knowledge as possible. And we want to be ready for when the technology is in place. And who knows, maybe it's a hydrogen or smaller and efficiency batteries or even molten salt reactors that will be the solution for the zero carbon emission. So that's at least for the introduction and I'm waiting for the questions afterwards. Excellent, thank you very much, uh, Sunova. Very interesting. Then I finally would like to hear from uh, Wilhelmsen and I'm uh, passing the word over to Espinada. Please go ahead. Uh, Hello, my name is uh, Aspinjade. I work for Wilhelmsen Holding with Strategy and m and uh, And in uh, the holding company, we do not own any ships and have uh, very limited uh, emissions from the office. Uh, but we are supported by a group of uh, around uh, 16,000 employees uh, all across the globe. And we divide our uh, company into three different main shipping segments. Uh, it's um, the shipping companies, uh, most known as uh, Valenus Willemsen, Ucor, and uh, Hyundai Glovis. Uh, we have a maritime services uh, division with, uh, for example, Willemsen Ship Management, who are uh, running around 200 ves 250 vessels for other owners. And we have uh, newly established a new company or division in the group uh, with the name New Energy. And within that company, we are focusing on uh, two different uh, paths. It's the energy transition going from uh, fossil fuels to renewable energy, but also decarbonization in shipping. 
And to address those two um, uh, trends, we have uh, newly um, established or invested into, for example, Edavin as one of the offshore wind initiatives. But we are also looking at different parts of the offshore wind value chain from renewable energy uh, production uh, with the wind farms, but also logistics, services, operations and maintenance. Um, and the other uh, aspect that we are focusing on is the hydrogen value chain. And um, uh, ammonia is a part of that solution. And there we are also looking at uh, everything from production of hydrogen, carbon capture, uh, distribution of hydrogen, and usage of hydrogen as a fuel for ships. Um, we also established a new company called Topeka, which aims to be our zero emission shipping company. Uh, the first project is uh, the ones we have two vessels planned, like the ones behind me. And that's uh, two Roro vessels that will be fueled on hydrogen, which will be uh, taking about 25,000 truckloads uh, annually from uh, the land transportation to these two ships. And uh, these will uh, be fueled on hydrogen, but also be able to distribute hydrogen along the coast. Uh, our business model for uh, Topeka and zero emission shipping is to build on uh, partnerships. So we want to go together with other uh, shipping companies, ship owners, tonnage providers, operators, um, cargo owners and charters to see whether we can find solutions together for uh, a more decarbonized shipping. So that's my uh, short and sweet introduction. Excellent, uh, Espen, thank you very much. And, and thanks to all of you for providing some um, initial insights into how your companies are, are implementing, let's say both strategic and, and tactical steps to position your fleets. Um, then we move over to the discussion. We are roughly on time. We have, uh, I guess, 18, 19 minutes for a, a few questions here. I want to start with uh, you, Harald, um, and uh, Odkel, uh, and talk about your customers. You have a multitude of customers on board, um, typically on board, at least, uh, each of your vessels, uh, with many different cargo owners on board uh, at the same time. How aligned are they on their decarbonization ambitions? or their requirements to you as a, a ship owning company? Um, and how do you manage their expectations uh, going forward? Thank you, Anders. That's a very good question. And, uh, and I think uh, the, the positive news is that uh, over the past 12 months, we've uh, seen a significantly increased uh, attention among our customers on emission reporting. And I would say that that is solely a positive, uh, positive de development. But it's not entirely straightforward to, to cal correctly calculate uh, emissions on a par parcel tankers. Sometimes we have up to 40 different uh, cargos on board. And these, these parcels, they're very in size and, and they, uh, they have uh, different uh, loading and, and discharge ports. So to, to kind of split, the, split the, the, the fuel consumption on each parcel 
is not straightforward. But we have a good dialogue with our customers in this issue. And, and I have to say, I'm convinced that, uh, that uh, very soon we will agree on a concept that, uh, that, it, that uh, works for all, uh, everyone in, involved. Great, thank you very much, Haro. Um, Sunova, I, I want to reach out to you. Uh, you have uh, obviously um, big energy companies as your customers, uh, and they have uh, traditionally, traditionally been, been very focused on safety, obviously, and safety regimes. How, uh, how, to put it, how does the, the increased focus on decarbonization impact safety risk or, or that balance, uh, do you feel? Well, um, um, we have, as you say, been focusing on safety in all our operation for a very long time. And, and this is our main, and main focus. And uh, if, we, if we fail on the safety, I mean, then, then we fail on, on, uh, on our promise to our shelters as well. So, but unfortunately, what we see is that we note that the safety challenges related to application of hydrogen and ammonia, especially as alternative fuels, are sometimes non-existing. And uh, there is a high focus and pressure to start testing the new technology on board. And, uh, and the safety procedures and knowledge for crew uh, is sometimes lacking and uh, but if you are this and this especially when talking to um, to uh, politicians and in the public with focus on the, uh, the aim to decarbonize but um, uh, so we see that there still is a way to go related to the um, safety challenges that uh, are related to new technology on board. So, so the pressure comes from from the public and, and politician. Yes, I would say that especially well, especially there's a high pressure related uh, coming from the public, politicians, and also the financial um, um, institutions and banks and. Um, there is a high, um, uh, well, it's a little bit of impatient, I would say. So, um, uh, but of course, uh, those who work directly into the projects and are involved in the technology into the details, of course, they have the knowledge of the safety and they, uh, and there, there is high focus on uh, the safety, but uh, at the same time, you have those, um, um, uh, eager to find the solution now and, and the, the pressure to meet the goals uh, as soon as possible from them, especially from publics and, and politicians, I would say. At least mm. that's the impression we get. Yeah, great, thanks. Um, Lars, uh, over to you. Uh, a question with respect to uh, um, the number of uh, technical managers that you use um, across the, the companies and, and uh, that you in Frontline are uh, managing. How, um, how do you manage your emission performance across such a, a big fleet and, and across so many different technical managers? 
what's uh, the ingredients that will make you succeed here going forward? Yeah, thank you for the question, uh, Anders. Uh, I mean, it's not new to us to be focusing on performance management or energy efficient designs uh, and construction of vessels. But we are now accelerating the focus. Therefore, we have established a structured approach uh, through our decarbonization project, where we are developing uh, uh, our execution uh, map towards the future. This also includes uh, different voyage and ship uh, performance systems or platforms, which fit into our uh, digital ESD solution, which we have developed together with, uh, or, to, or uh, de developed uh, on the Racity platform by, by DNV. Performance data uh, for some ship types uh, are flowing in automatically, where others are more manual. Uh, however, the ambitious is to capture high frequency data without uh, human involvement to allow real time data, making reliable data easy, accessible, uh, and visualize it in a user-friendly way uh, to our crew on board, uh, as well as uh, shore staff, are key to take better decisions uh, and grow a culture where energy optimization has priority. So, I mean, you can have uh, the greatest systems and all data flowing uh, into the platform, but it's really very much about building energy culture, company culture, it links and ties in uh, to all what we do to have a safe and reliable operation. Uh, it's culture and um, performance culture is a, uh, a, a key uh, component in our operating uh, model. Um, and being transparent uh, and visualized is uh, important. Uh, but, but decisions, in our view, are taken on data. So this is the uh, way we are doing it. Just a, a follow-up question. Are, are you sharing performance for the, the ship manager's performance across the ship managers with each other? Or, or is that something, uh, is that sort we, of a, a dialogue you have with them? Or? Yeah, we have, uh, we have established, um, and that is uh, through, two years ago, we started a project uh, where we structured our future way of doing ship management. Uh, so all for our LNG business, we do uh, in-house ship management, where for the other segments, we do uh, third-party ship management. We combine it into an operating model where we uh, are uh, having frequently uh, uh, task force or work with all the managers in the same collaborative room where we share and benchmark uh, open and freely performance, uh, uh, but the purpose is actually uh, not competition, it's, uh, it's sharing of good ideas and practices, so we can all benefit from performing uh, all better. So the purpose is actually to make the ship manager great. In the end of the day, we will win from that approach, hmm. having a learner's mindset. Great, okay, thank you very much. Uh, then I'll move over to you, Regis. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, that we are sort of at the edge of, of technology to, to some extent. Uh, what are the main barriers for further technology uptake uh, that will take us towards more uh, or, or closer to the decard goals uh, of the shuttle fleet? 
Yes, I think I said our e-shuttle, they are today at the edge of the um, available technology. And we are pushing the vendors, we are pushing hard to make the full benefit of everything which is installed on board already. But one of the buyers we meet in operation, or the buyers, they are not technology in my view, but they are legislations. The rules are too conservative and they are old fashioned. Many rules were written before batteries were installed, for example. So the first step to remove this barrier is to revise this offshore specification. Give you an example. Doesn't make sense, for example, to use all engines running, all engines almost idle while the ship is on DP for safety reasons. When you have, for example, two battery banks online that are not being used. Another barrier, trading constraint. For example, the economics of the day-to-day -day chartering dictates a speed for the vessel and that speed prevents optimization of the engine consumption. So if we could reduce the speed just a little bit and we only use two gas engine on full load rather than three engine on a reduced load, that will work better. So for me, we cannot move these buyers alone. We need our customers on board. There is a general vision for reducing the carbon footprint with the customers. But to be honest, many are sitting on the fence or not walking the talk there. So there is often a perceived conflict, and I think Sunova was there, between sustainability and safety, and I would say even economics. And I think we have first to resolve this equation before we move forward to the decarbonization. Hmm. That is uh, a difficult one, uh, Regis, yeah. but I, uh, I understand what you're saying. Um, maybe, uh, maybe not the direct follow-up questions, but, uh, but with respect to your e-shuttles, then, uh, you are fairly recently uh, being delivered. Um, what is your strategy to focus in mean, the next 10, 15, 20 years for that matter? I think the strategy is, I think, like many others, we choose LNG motors and with batteries to add the flexibility, make the best use of the current technology. We can blend fuel, but uh, we are, as I said, uh, that is not a technology that will bring us to 2050 on the carbon zero target. So this is a, a temporary phase, but that's a technology we have today. So yesterday we were diesel electric, today we are gas electric, so we are okay at this uh, going to 2030, I think. But the future e-shuttle probably could be ammonia electric, um, but we are waiting for the industry to develop this fuel and make it available on a commercial scale, and valuable scale to, uh, to make any move. Hmm. So okay. we'll be ready. Great, thank you, Regis. Then I move over um, to Espen. I have a question for you, uh, and, and Wilhelmsen. Uh, you mentioned that you are diversifying uh, these days into offshore wind and other renewable segments like hydrogen production and distribution, uh, potentially. How do you think this diversification and the knowledge you gain there, uh, how do you think that will impact 
the existing shipping interest that you have both in the, the PCPC sector, uh, but also as a, a third party manager in, in relative ship management. Yes, uh, you're right. We in most of our uh, shipping or steel exposure today is uh, concerning uh, Roro, uh, but we have long traditions from several different shipping sectors like dry bulk, tankers, offshore supply. We used to own uh, rigs, wheel rig in the past. So we have exposure to different segments uh, also today via our ship management company. Uh, also, for example, uh, within gas, LNG, LPG, FSR use. So um, all these different uh, segments needs probably different uh, solutions. At least we cannot uh, or we do not foresee that uh, hydrogen will be the solution for every of those segments. But we are doing some, some tracks within those companies that we own. For example, Valenus Willemsen are exploring some fuels for their trade and their operations. Uh, but we, we did not have any uh, uh, efforts towards the short sea market. But we saw that um, there was a lot of push, both from the governmental side, but also the investors and financial stakeholders side to establish um, these zero emission fuels uh, to be available for, for the shipping industry. And uh, there is a chicken and egg problem there uh, because you cannot get access to the fuel and there's no infrastructure to bunker those. So for example, um, uh, taking part of that hydrogen value chain uh, is our efforts to start that ball, ro ball rolling because we, we believe that at least for the short uh, shipping segments, that could be an interesting fuel. And uh, in combination with the possibilities then to adapt to uh, ammonia on the same sort of uh, value chain, because we are both exploring, for example, blue hydrogen with carbon capture coming from the oil and gas industry, but also green hydrogen coming from the renewable side, both uh, offshore wind, but also uh, hydropower, as we have here in the, the country. So we are exploring both tracks um, and try to get this uh, value chain and uh, economy uh, running. And, and then we believe it's, it's easier to adapt once you have proven the technology that it works and we have to work up the safety procedures and operations. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of difficulties uh, technically, but uh, we as both steel owners uh, and operators on behalf of, of other owners, we need to understand how these technology works and we want to be supporting our clients and partners for their uh, energy transition, if you like. Great, thank you. Uh, we are running out of time, but I want to, to have one uh, final question to, to Lars uh, and, and Frontline. Um, if you manage to, uh, to answer fairly briefly. Uh, it's about the differences in, in the decarbonization strategies across the different segments that you are in. What is your uh, reflections uh, there? Just if you can, in a minute, uh, say something uh, about them. 
I will do it uh, as quickly as possible. I mean, I've said it before, not all solutions fit all, and not all solutions have been fully developed yet. Either it is through lack of availability, handling of logistics, or technical design. For our LNGs, it's quite obvious that we are consuming boil-off for propulsion and power production. Our newly ordered VLTCs are with uh, LPT propulsion, and our also newly ordered TCCC comes with dual fuel. Our new VLCCs are coming with scrubbers and LNG ammonia and bulkers with different types of ESDs. Through our engagement in the bunkering, uh, TFD bunkering, we are also supplying uh, biofuel to part of our fleet. So different ESDs and EPLs are also being explored for the seat uh, uh, on the water for optimizing uh, uh, flow of water to propellers and reducing ship's uh, mm. power optimizing speed, lower friction through water and air. So we are active in different uh, uh, and together with different industries and peers and forums and projects for continued learning uh, and for sure of developing our capabilities and competencies. Great. Thank you, Lars. And uh, uh, our time is up, unfortunately. I would like to thank you all for participating in the panel. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to get to know you better uh, throughout this process. Uh, I wish you and everybody in the audience a good day and a good evening. And give the word back to uh, Niklas and the organizers. Thank you very much. Well, all I want to do is uh, say a big thank you to all of you. That was a great uh, panel discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of you. And thank you, Anders, for putting it together and moderating it. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye.